Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, NWSL lead writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. We have a special interview episode today for all of our listeners. We are joined today by former NWSL player Kelly Conheny. She is currently working with Brazil in an effort to help limit the impact of concussions in the game. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing Good. awesome. I'm yeah, doing no, awesome. it's it's Good. great. Thanks for having me. To talk to you. I'm I'm really excited to to jump in into uh, this conversation today, particularly about the when we we'll get into it later at the latter end of this episode about concussions and things like that with uh, impacting the game. Um, but I think to to start things off, I think I would like to sort of introduce or slash reintroduce you to okay. our our listeners here. For people who do not know, uh, Kelly is a former player with the once upon a time Sky Blue <laughs> FC, now currently known as uh, Gotham FC. So I guess just to get us uh, started, uh, Kelly, as a former NWSL player, uh, you know, have you been following the league a little bit this year? And if you have a what, what do you think of the, the regular season so far? Yeah, I have been following the league a little bit. Um, I try to keep up. You know, I have some friends that still play in the league. I kind of look back and think like, oh, my gosh, how are they still doing it? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love to see how the league has advanced since, you know, since I played there. I actually, I'm living with my parents right now um, at home in New Jersey in the town of Brielle, which is where I used to play. Like, I used to, we used to play around here in Sky Blue. We used to all live around like Spring Lake area, Point Pleasant. Um, and so it's like bringing back all those memories of, of when I used to play. Um, and yeah, the league, the league's taken off. It's, it's doing awesome. It's, we're seeing a lot of improvements. Um, we're seeing a lot of improvements on the side of, of the coaches that they're choosing and um, just the league play in general. And, you know, I went back to my college town the other day and, you know, saw the girls, spoke to the girls about like my whole college and uh, professional experience. And um, I feel like the game in general has just grown so much since I played. So it's really cool to see, you know, I, I keep up with soccer, like I keep up with the women's national team um, and the coverage of it and where the game is at right now. It's going in a really good direction. The game is growing and it's so good to see. And it's great that you're going back and, and talking to those younger players. Um, you started in the NWSL in 2016 at Sky Blue, and that's where you yeah. are now in your hometown. Um, <laughs> and the club recently went through a huge rebrand, no longer Sky Blue FC, and now known as New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. As a former yeah. Sky Blue player, what do you think of this rebrand? Do you like the kits? Do you like the colors? Do you like the name? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... 
I mean, I'm jealous. I'm like, dang, <laughs> like, look where we are now. It's so awesome. I mean, it was, we had to make this change. Like Sky Blue had to become New York, you know, a New York branded um, just because it's the best city in the world. And um, I'm so happy for them to, you know, to get to play in, uh, you know, Red Bull Stadium and uh, to be, you know, to be in a spot where, you know, it's, a league the best league in the world and a team that's taken very seriously now I mean you know you see this league and some of the players in this league and you're like they deserve you know to to be to be in a position where they're treated like professionals and you know it feels you know at least with the media coverage that they're getting and um it looks like they're they're headed in that direction and the whole league is headed in a really good direction and um you know, they just got one of the best players to ever play the game as their general manager, Yael Averbush. So, um, yeah, it's awesome to see players, you know, that played coming back into the game. Um, their Bev Yanez is also their assistant coach. Um, so you love to see that. You love to see, you know, women that played and understand um, what professional women's soccer is in the U.S. And, um their, you know, obvious passion for the game to be able to come back and um, come back into the league and, and, and support it on its way up. It's so, it's so funny that you, you mentioned that we, we actually had a recent uh, interview not too long ago with Yael Bush West about talking about those hires. And then you mentioned mentioning uh, assistant coach uh, Yanez. It's, and she talked a lot about the process of that and hiring that and sort of having to tighten up her GM cap right away and go on a coaching search. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when that news was like announced for Scott Parkinson as head coach and then Bevian as as first assistant, like a lot of the reaction to that was super positive. Like it was like straight up a home run, knocked it out right. of the park type of hire uh, that the club made were, were you part of that like a uh, reaction like that positive reaction like oh like this is great for the club yeah I mean anytime a former player comes back and plays or and coaches in in the NWSL it's like a win you know Becca Moros is there um I know I think I saw she moved to, to coach college team but yeah. um you know to have the experience of playing in the league and then to be able to step in a role where you know you can represent the players um it, it, I mean, it's just, it's such a win in that category. Like it's women supporting women, but you know, also they're the best to have done it. And then, you know, like, I, I just, I love to see women coaching other women because it's such a different, it's such a different game. Not to say, you know, that men can't coach women. There's incredible men, male coaches out there. I've had incredible male coaches, but, um, I just love to see the woman represent representing like the league as coaches. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's maybe let's uh, stay take a step back uh, a little bit in terms of even like earlier in your in your playing career, some of your the injuries maybe um, that you faced because you were faced with a lot of adversity uh, really early on. You formerly played with Virginia Tech, and during your senior year, uh, you ended up being sideline due to a concussion can you sort of uh walk us through sort of having to go through something like that kind of what most people consider in the very early stages of of your uh, top level playing career yeah for sure so my senior year four games in um I took a bad header it was a diving header and I came off the fields and I went over to my trainer and I was like I just don't I don't feel right like this isn't good um 
prior to that, my junior year, like I played at and started every minute of every game. Um, and then going into my senior year, um, I played with Ottawa Fury in the W League. And I was playing defensive midfields and in a position where I was like heading a lot of balls. So I went from a junior year in college, you know, the spring season, basically four days later, stepping on the field with Ottawa Fury. And then we ended up winning the national championship or the, um, I think the North American championship, I think they called it for the W league that year. And then four days later, went into preseason with Virginia tech. And I was just in go, go, go mode. But I was also in my head. I was like, I can't stop. Like I have to go if I want to like make another national team camp, if I like want to, you know, excel in my career, if I want to be the player I want to be, I can't stop. So it was just this like athlete mentality of like, you don't really have a choice. You have to keep going. So I started feeling kind of like fatigued. My head started kind of hurting a little bit that summer. Um, but it was just kind of the normal like headaches and like uh, drowsiness after games. Um, and then when I took that header my senior year, um, four games in, I got dizzy and I got up. I played the rest of the game and then I went over to my trainer and I was like, yeah, this isn't good. Like, I, I don't feel right. Um, so I talked to the doctors at Virginia Tech and they put me on kind of like a, a track to recover. And at that point it was like, okay, let's, let's get you back on the field when your headaches subside. Um, and so that was really all I had to work with. So I was like kind of just waiting and like in a dark room and kind of taking my time away from classes, not going to class. Um, and then things just like started getting worse. Like I wasn't getting better and I was sitting in dark rooms and doing all the things I was supposed to be doing, but I wasn't getting better and I, I wasn't improving. Um, so that takes me to the end of my senior year and I didn't play a single game. So I took a fifth year cause I had eligibility to, to, you know, to be a fifth year senior. I had one class left to graduate. Um, I tried to come back. The intention was come back and play for my fifth year with Virginia tech. We had a really good team that year. We had a really good team, you know, my senior year as well. But then my fifth year, it was like that team went to the national championship and I watched from the sideline, like, knife in my heart every single game but also you know so happy for my teammates but I was just like oh my gosh like I need to be out there with them but it was at this point it was like my life versus playing a game like I it had gotten to that point where I realized that this the severity of my head injuries it's not it's not going away it's been a year yeah it's been a year and I'm still struggling and I'm still like fighting this thing and now I'm you know, went from the athlete that would do anything to be on the fields with, I'd play with a broken leg, right. To like, I have to take this seriously. And I finally got some sense knocked into me. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I did take it seriously and I thought that I was done. I thought that I was completely done with soccer. So I, you know, kind of hung up the cleats after, uh, my fifth year, you know, went to the national championship with the team from the sideline kind of was like a sideline, um, player coach. Um, and yeah. And then I was, I was, you know, done with soccer. So I thought at that point and ended up going to work for a nonprofit overseas using soccer as like a social tool to educate in third world communities. Um, so kind of like was trying to, you know, fill that void with something else, soccer, like, you know, I can, I can do something else other than play and be on the fields. Um, 
so yeah, that was kind of my, that was kind of my journey through concussions my senior year and in, uh, at Virginia Tech. So at that point in your life, like you mentioned, it had been a year that you watched your college team play, um, not playing due to injury and your concussion. And you thought your career was done at, for yeah. soccer wise. When you approached that mentally, uh, how did you approach that? Thinking that you wanted to play at the highest level, you were dreaming of the national camps. How did, how did you approach that chapter where you thought this, this is it. I'm hanging up my cleats. Yeah. I mean, it was, I look back and think for a lot of reasons, like the hardest time of my life, like, any player knows when they're done with the game, it's so hard to hang it up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just like, I, I, you know, look back and I'm like, I just did it. Like I it was just like, my, my life matters more and I'm going to get through this as much of a struggle as it is. Like my life matters more, um, than like Kelly as a soccer player. Um, and it was really hard for me to see that. I, I honestly, you know, I think athlete identity, like, it's not talked about enough. It's just, you know, when you're done with your sport, you have a sport that takes you through your whole life. This one thing that like is your focus your whole life. And then you get to a point where it's like you either graduate and it's like goodbye or you get injured and it's like goodbye. It's like it's like a loss because you've worked mm-hmm. on it for your entire life. It's like something being just to- totally taken away. So that's kind of how I-, I went through like a grieving process like um And I still kind of feel like I'm going through that grieving process in some ways. Some days when I go back and kick a ball around, I'm like, can I do this again? But that's like silly, you know. Can can we like maybe kind of hone in on the the athlete identity uh, for a second? I kind of want to center on that for a second because so so much of like the – concept of injuries not that they're a concept they're a real thing that happens but the the mindset that comes around injuries sometimes and specifically head injuries uh within within this game yeah Um, when you're dealing with injuries in general but specifically head injuries that I would assume that that athlete identity also comes into play when you're tackling that type of stuff we hear it all the time like it's just like oh I gotta try to push through I got to try to like it better. My team needs me yeah. like this, this con- like these concepts of just the sort of putting that kind of like maybe unnecessary or added emotional weight onto pushing oneself back into playing form. Right. Are, how, how strongly are these two things tied, tied together? Do you think? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, can, can you repeat the question and which two things are tied together? Like, yeah, like the, the, the athlete mentality of like having to push through something and then this, the severity of whatever that injury is in this case, uh, a head injury, right? Because soccer is so, you know, it's, it's a beautiful game. It's football, right? It's like, Oh, you just need your, your legs and your feet. Right. Who, you know what? It's your head. It's a headache. Like you'll just push through how much of yeah like the grinder mentality is tied into maybe not taking a head injury so seriously. I mean, I think that's such a good point because, and the the whole, this is the whole thing with concussions. It's like, it's invisible. So you don't have like, you don't have a timeline and you don't have a cast on telling other people or telling yourself that you're injured and you're really hurt. Like you wouldn't walk on a, on a foot that's casted. Right. But you continually, put your head in front of a ball that's going like 60 miles per hour (laughs) because you're the athlete and, 
and, and part of being tough is showing other people that you're tough. And I think for me, like that was kind of my, kind of like my MO, like that was my thing. I was like, I will do anything for my teammates. I will, I'm that type of teammate that physically will put my body on the line for my other team, for for my teammate. You know what I mean? So, um, that was really hard. I mean, taking that out of the game for me, it was like, wasn't the same game of soccer for me. I was like, what's the point of playing if I can't be that type of player? That's where I get my adrenaline rush from, you know, and how I show how supportive of, of a teammate, you know, that I am. Yeah. It's so it starts really heavily for you in, in college. It, uh, carries a little bit through into NWSL for you with with sky blue. Um, and then ultimately your career takes you into, to Europe a little bit. And then this also follows you, you there, right? So you announce your retirement in, in 2018. Yep. So as you, again, we're talking about this athlete mentality coming in and sort of making that decision to to step away from the game. I imagine that's very hard, especially when it maybe feels like something that is a little, that's essentially out of your control because concussions are, it's a neurological thing, right? Right. Um, so in terms of making that decision and in, in stepping away from 2018 and now, mm-hmm. um, what, what have you been up to in terms of uh, finding who you are post uh, professional soccer player? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so post call or sorry, post professional career, um, I moved back home uh, to Ridgewood, New Jersey, where my family used to live. That's where I grew up, the town I grew up in. Um, and I got connected with a coach that I used to train with um, who was involved with a virtual reality system called Brazil. Um, it was founded in England and then, um, you know, brought over to the U S and, you know, I was working with them. It's a virtual reality, uh, technology where, you know, you have trackers on your feet, you have a headset on and basically going through the motions of, um, you know, training like your skill set um, without actually touching a ball. So the concept is like, uh, you can't wrap your mind around it unless you've been in the system, you get it. You're like, okay, now I get it. But there's a huge part of, of, um, the game that there's a lot of focus on these days, which is like the mental side of the game, like train yourself mentally, like visualize, you know, before you go on the fields, you know, smell the grass, all that stuff. Right. So they, they've proven that visualizing is, um, is very effective to, you know, to performance. Um, and so I was really intrigued by the system. It was in the very beginning stages. Um, so I started selling the product and I was, you know, kind of, you know, all over the U S all over. Um, I went to Peru once, um, they've used it, you know, in other countries and, you know, now the system is, um, you know, at a point where, you know, they're really focused on like the vision side of things, um, the mental side of the game, you know, reaction time and really focused on, um, on head injuries, um, and preventing head injuries in the, in the sport of soccer. So, um, it's gotten to a point where, you know, I'm really intrigued in it and, um, I, I really love to talk about it. It's one of my, you know, huge passions and, um, I'm really, you know, I was really affected by it. So, you know, obviously for me, it's, it's, you know, something that, um, that, that excites me. I mean, in, in, 
I guess the most positive way take your, you know, take your experiences and, and try to turn them into a positive, like, how can I help other people, you know, get better from a head injury? How can I help other people educate other people on how to, you know, get through difficult times? Like that's, you know, that's where I know that I'll end up one day. Um, but to backtrack a little bit, I actually left Brazil last year, last two years ago, about moved to California. I'm working for now, currently working for a streaming company. Um, we stream youth sports games. Um, the company's called Baller TV. We stream youth sports games around the country. Um, very, you know, like a widespread, a widespread uh, um company now you know nowadays with covid and everything going on with covid you know college coaches can't come to games um parents and players or parents and grandparents can't come to games so um it's kind of like taken off during covid but yeah that's where i'm at right now in california love to hear Brazil, a software company and soccer virtual reality platform for heading simulation that works on cognitive development and analysis. That's very cool. Uh, sounds like something that's very necessary, quite frankly, talking to you a little bit about your experiences with, with concussions and, you know, knowing that this is a, this is a, a thing that impacts the game and player players within the game. It just, these type of, tools just uh, sound like they can only be helpful uh, for, for players as they're navigating uh, this type of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We're, go ahead. I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this VR headset and the simulation. I know you said it's a little bit difficult to understand until you're actually inside of it, but what, so it's a simulation, no ball involved to practice technical soccer skills or positional soccer skills take me a little bit deeper into what happens when you put on the headset yeah so there's some different features in the system um so there's like an interactive piece and then there's a piece that's not interactive but you can basically watch the game back or like practice set plays from the outside to just visualize okay like positionally where where am i supposed to be on the field the interactive part um you know, to me is really cool because you're the feel of the ball, like the sensors vibrate on your feet and you actually feel that like, it feels like you're, you're touching a ball with your feet. Like it's, it's so hard to wrap your mind around unless you've actually done it. But the, the whole concept is that like you can practice without actually like having any impact. And so, you know, what they're really promoting right now is their player 22, um, it just requires a headset and like handheld sensors, but this is like kind of like mind blowing because they're going through, you know, basically how to head the ball, like teaching like UEFA coaches kind of like came up, helped, you know, Brazil or helped the founders of the Brazil come up with a curriculum um, to teach players how to head the ball. So imagine like learning how to head the ball in, you know, like UEFA licensed coaches, teaching you how to head the ball. You know, you're not actually heading it. There's no actual impact, but you're learning from like the best in the, in, in the game, like how to properly, like your proper technique and how to head it. So like that, th that whole idea is, you know, incredible to me. Um, but yeah, you've got to get in the system to understand it, to, <laughs> to really understand that, like, you know, like you're, you're working the muscles that you would work with heading the ball. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. 
So you're in this virtual reality heading simulation, uh, but there's yeah. no impact on your head. Right. And at, now in youth soccer, um, youth players aren't being taught how to head the ball because it's so dangerous and detrimental right. to a young developing brain. So how how much does this translate to uh, when the player gets onto the field? And like for young soccer players that don't have the repetitive impact on their head when they're learning how to play soccer, how much does that this player 22 simulation help them in their game? Yeah. I mean, I think it's super effective um, because in the virtual reality, like you feel like you're on a field and you feel like the ball's actually coming at you. So even just to give kids like that confidence to like attack the ball, you know, I think that's like super effective. Um, yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's, you're heading the ball to different places, to different, like to different boxes, you know? Um, so, I mean, I think it's a super effective way to learn number one. Um, Cause you know, they, they say with visualization, you could li literally close your eyes and, you know, you know, there's more to this, but get just as much out of mm -hmm. um, visualizing, practicing as you would like actually going on the fields. And I think there's so much to that. You know, I think like kids these days are either like overtrained people in general, like soccer players in general, overtrained, you know, there's some times where they just need to step away from the fields and, and maybe have a mental practice instead of like an actual physical practice to rest their body, say post game or, or pre game. You know, I know, um, I know I would use it in the locker room before going out on the fields. Absolutely. If this was like available to me, I would definitely, you know, use it in the locker room just to get my mind straight and, um, and to like get in the zone. You mentioned trying to do it in the locker room. So if you had player 22 and the, the VR heading simulations growing up, how might your career have looked different? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a huge topic of conversation. Like I think, you know, head injuries are coming to the forefront right now. Um, it's, you know, kind of a different world than it was even when I was in college. Um, it, they've come so far and they've done a lot of research and they've, they've gotten to a point where they're, you know, kind of acknowledging like, okay, like what would happen if we did take heading out of the game? How would it change the game? Um, and you'll have people argue with you left and right, like, no, it's going to change the whole game of soccer. And, you know, I say this all the time, but like, what if the game was just, what if heading was just like contained to, to the 18 yard box, you know, what if heading wasn't, you know, a 50, 50 challenge off of a 60 yard punt from a goalkeeper at midfield. And we know the ball is just getting harder and players are just getting stronger and the ball is getting moving faster, you know, and you're putting your head in there. And at midfield, it's a 50-50 challenge anyway. So, you know, you're going up for a header. Who's going to win the ball after that? Like, what's the point? You know, why not just, like, take it down on your chest? Or players are good enough to take it out of there on their, you know, on other surfaces. Um, I love that. The game, I mean, and the game has evolved. It currently is evolving. Totally. I mean, we saw the introduction of something like VAR, and, like, that has, you know, shaped the way, you know, players maybe try to, to do some defending in the box. Right. Um, but in terms of concussions in the, in the future, uh, how, how do you see the game of soccer evolving to protect the most important part of your body, your head and your brain, or what would you like to see continue? Yeah. I mean, I would like to see kind of just what I talked about um, heading being taken out of the game. I think they're making really strong moves at the youth level. Um, I think Brazil could be a huge step in the right direction for, for youth players and just minimizing the, you know, the amount of headers in practice, you know, because 
you know, when I think back to, to when I learned how to head the ball, it was always like diving headers. And, you know, there's always one, one designated person and they're usually like the tallest, most fearless player, you know, as youth players. And that was probably, you know, the players that make it to the top, you know, like I was one of those players that, you know, they, they'd be like, Kelly, get in the box. Or like, Kelly, like, you know, a goal kick is happening. So stand where the goal kick, like, is probably going to, where the ball's probably going to land and, and, and try to head it back towards the goal just for the keeper to pick it up and punt it again. <laughs> like, yeah. like, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's try to limit like the amount of headers in the game in general. I mean, I, I think it'd be a more beautiful game. I love to hear it. I, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us uh, today. Kelly Conhini with Brazil, former NWSL pro player and mo- so much more. Uh, great conversation today. I hope uh, to have you back in the future. Uh, Sky, or Sky Blue. She's got the MFC's currently <laughs> in a playoff push. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe we'll get you get you back and get your uh, perspectives on, on that. But I want to thank you so much for, yeah. for joining us and informing our listeners today about uh, all the good work that you're doing. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.